In August 1967, American blues musician Albert King released his second compilation album, Born Under a Bad Sign. King's first Stax release combined his hard, unflashy guitar playing with the sleek sound of Booker T and the MGs. The hits on the record influenced Clapton and the Stones and earned King a new rock and roll audience. Welcome to the 500 Albums podcast, where we go through the Rolling Stones' top 500 list of greatest albums of all time. As selected by a panel of musicians, music critics, and journalists, and published by Rolling Stone magazine in 2003. My name is Urban, and today we are looking at number 491 on the list, Born Under a Bad Sign by Albert King. So yeah, welcome to the 10th episode already of the 500 Albums podcast. First of all, thank you very much for listening to it uh, thus far. It's really cool to see that you guys are listening and enjoying. And I'm sorry that this episode was a week late. There was a lot of things going on and it also made so I'm ahead on next week's episode. So that's nice too. So today we're looking at Albert King's Born Under a Bad Sign. Now, I've talked a little bit about Albert King before on the episode about B.B. King, as they are somewhat related musically, and of course, both their names are King, but we'll get more into that later. It's really cool to see the second King of the Blues, and we might even take a look at the third King of the Blues later on on this, uh, on this podcast. I wasn't as familiar with Albert King's work uh, as compared to B.B. King's work, so it was really nice to dive somewhat deeper into Albert King and this album in particular, as it was very influential and important in the blues and, and rock and roll music uh, in general. So really excited. So let's get into it. Albert King was an American blues guitarist and singer from Mississippi. King was born as Albert Nelson on April 25th, 1923, as I said, in Mississippi. Now, there is some contention where exactly he was born and where he grew up. And some claim it to be on a cotton plantation in Indianola, just like B.B. King. While others say it was in Aberdeen. King began singing at a very young age at a church with a family gospel group. And his father played guitar for this group. King later moved to Forest City in Arkansas, where he spent most of his childhood and worked with his family on a farm there. And this is where he was first introduced to the blues. King made his very own guitar out of a cigar box, a stick and a strand of a broom wire. And he was inspired by artists like T-Bone Walker and Blind Lemon Jefferson to play music on his own. At some point he was able to buy a guitar for $1.25 and when he was an adult, he attempted his first step at a music career in St. Louis. But this was not as successful, so he returned back to Arkansas. Then in the late 40s is when his professional career really took off. After working for years at the construction sites and doing different jobs here and there, he joined a group called In The Groove Boys. 
With this group, he mainly performed in Osceola, Arkansas. I'm not sure if I pronounced that correctly. And during these years, people still knew him by his real name, Albert Nelson. Now, King is known for moving around a lot in his career. And in 1953, this was also the case because he decided to move again. And this time he used the name Albert King. And he did this to cause some association with the successful musician at the time, B.B. King. And he was even billed as B.B.'s brother at some shows. And he sometimes referred to himself as his half-brother in interviews. Now in 1953, he recorded with Jimmy Reed as a drummer at first. And later he also recorded his own solo material this year. Now, this wasn't as successful, so once again, he moved, this time to St. Louis. And in St. Louis, this time he became somewhat successful and became a regular in the club circuit with his own group. Under different kinds of labels, he recorded several singles and he eventually got his breakthrough in 1961 nationally. King's popularity slowly dampened again through the years though, and he had little career prospects left in St. Louis. So, once again, King decided to relocate to Memphis this time. And this is where legendary record label Stax Records were located. And he was signed there, and he was reintroduced into the mainstream. But we'll get more into that later. As I said before, Albert King is often referred to as one of the King of the Blues, together with B.B. King and Freddie King. But he also had the nickname Velvet Bulldozer due to his smooth style and large stature, but also his history as a construction worker in his early career. Albert King has always been a very unique guitar player, and this is in part because he, is, he was left-handed and played with a right-handed guitar flipped upside down. And this also kind of forced him to use somewhat unconventional guitar tunings. And also because of this, the way he bends his strings was different than any other mainstream blues musician at the time. And also his stage presence was very unique. And also the use of his flying V model guitar, something that later became associated with heavy metal music. King has had a major influence on different guitarists and musicians both in his own time and those that came after him. And this is also a reason why he got many accolades during his career, including multiple Grammy nominations and the induction into the Blues Hall of Fame and the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Albert King was active even in his old age, even though he did experience health problems starting in the 80s, and he even considered retiring during this time. He continued touring, however, and he was even planning to do a tour together with B.B. King and Bobby Blue Bland. But this never came into fruition, however, because on December 21st, 1992, Albert King passed away, aged 69, in his home due to a heart attack. As I said before, Albert King recorded his debut solo material in 1953. And his first single was for both the songs Bad Luck Blues and Be On Your Merry Way, 
both released on Parrot Records. Now this was not very successful and he was not offered a long-term contract. And in 1959, he then moved on to be signed to Bobbin Records in St. Louis. Here he released a few singles as well, but did not manage to chart with those. But the singles were picked up by another record label, King Records. And they actually offered him a contract to record. And they acquired some of the publishing rights and re-released the single Don't Throw Your Love On Me So Strong in November of 1961. The song was a breakthrough success for Albert King, and it reached number 14 on the Billboard R&B chart. Albert King continued to record several more songs under King Records, and he, and he eventually released the first compilation album, The Big Blues, in 1962. Albert eventually moved to Memphis, where he was signed to Stax Records. And he was able to record in 1966 with their house band Booker T and the MGs. Now, a lot of these singles were eventually made into the album of this week. But I'll talk more about that when we get to the album. Let's look at what was happening in the world first. Born Under a Bad Sign was released in August of 1967. This was in the midst of the Summer of Love that occurred in different parts of the United States around this time. The event was of course fueled by the hippie counterculture that stood for peaceful, anti-consumerist, anti-war and anti-conformist ideals. But this was not the only thing that was happening in the country. It was also the time where a lot of protests and riots in big cities happened. This is often referred to as the long hot summer of 1967. And I think this is somewhat forgotten when we look back on this time. These riots were caused by the inequality and institutionalized racism and abusive policy that primarily African Americans were facing in this time. All across the nation protests and riots broke out. And in some cases it turned violent. And by the end of the summer, over 85 people had died and thousands were injured because of the clashes with police force. And in parallel to this, the civil rights movement were very active in the 60s. And Memphis, the place that Albert King was active during the release of this album, was a big part of this movement. And especially the year after the release, the Memphis sanitation strike was in response to racial discrimination towards African-American sanitation workers. 
and Memphis was the place where Martin Luther King gave his legendary I've been to the mountaintop speech. And Memphis was also sadly the place that Martin Luther King was assassinated at just the day after he gave that speech. Now if we look at the genre that Albert King was a part of, the 60s saw a great mainstream success of genres that were influenced by African American music, with the prime example being rock and roll. And the mainstream success of this genre contributed to the breaking of separation of conventionally what they called black or white music. And the genre was in part very much inspired by traditional blues music, which had an insurgence as well, but this time more amplified and electric. And some hubs in the United States that catered a lot to this music were cities like Chicago, Detroit, St. Louis, and Memphis. And old guard like John Lee Hooker and Muddy Waters incorporated more rock elements into their style. And the desegregation of the United States offered more room for collaboration between African American and Caucasian musicians, with the prime example being Booker T and the MGs, the backing band of this album. Now that we know a bit about Albert King's history and the time surrounding the release, let's look at how this album was recorded. As I explained before, when King moved to Memphis, Tennessee, he was recruited to Stax Records. This was in the year 1966. He was spotted by Arkansas radio DJ and Stax promotion guy Al Bell. Bell recalled his experience with King as follows. Quote, when I finally got Albert King to Stax, there were two people there who made sure he had exactly the right songs. Stax Records owners Jim Stewart and Estelle Axton. They loved him. They were blown away by his singing and, of course, his guitar playing. But they were also just blown away by him. There was something about Albert King. He was a stand-up guy with a temper but a great sense of humor. He had come up in East St. Louis from that hard living environment. And that toughness and passion for survival was in every breath he sang and every note he squeezed out of that guitar." End quote. Along with Stewart and Axton, King started working on his first singles at Stax Studios in Memphis, Tennessee. Here King was backed by Stax house band Booker T and the MGs, but also by the Memphis Horns. The recordings were spread out over five different sessions, from March 1966 to June 1967. And even though the album's production is credited to Jim Stewart, most of the actual recording sessions were run by the backing band members Steve Cropper and Al Jackson Jr. And trumpeteer Wayne Jackson described his experience as follows. Quote, Albert King was the sweetest man you could imagine a man of the Old South. He used to call me his whistle tutor. It was a very happy studio. Al Jackson knew all the chords and lyrics better than anyone. He would stop things if they were going wrong. Albert's guitar was always out of tune with everything else, but he was such a strong man, he would just band those notes back in. The band kept things simple because we were all young guys learning together. We didn't know how to play it any better. 
end quote. Now the album cover features, in my opinion, some very interesting and not too pretty illustrations with images that are usually connected with bad luck or bad omens. And this is of course a reference to the title of the album and the title track. The sound of the album is characteristic for electric blues or blues rock, but it has some clear influences from soul and funk music as well. And as stated by Wayne Jackson, most of the backing band's music was kept quite simple due to their inexperience. But King's playing is also not too complicated. But his unique playing and sound created really something special combined with the backing band. King primarily used the higher sounding guitar strings and used a select amount of chords on the album, keeping it also quite simple. Instead, he used subtle inflections, emphasis, and timing differences to create interesting sounding music. Now, his guitar sound was also attributed to his unorthodox style of playing and the use of his upside down flying V guitar. Because he had flipped it upside down, he pulled his strings from above instead of pushing them from below for the string bending technique. And this created a very interesting harmonizing sound that you don't really hear that often. Now there is a clear separation of songs on the album. Side one of the album is are somewhat shorter and fast paced blues rock tracks. Meanwhile side two are somewhat longer and slower maybe a bit more classical blues tracks or ballads. So let's look at some of these tracks. Starting off with the opening track and title track, Born Under a Bad Sign. This song was written by Stax Records singer William Bell and the backing band members Booker T. Jones. The lyrics were written with astrology in mind, a trend that was happening in this time, but the lyrics also hit on themes that are very common in blues music, such as coming down on hard luck, trouble with alcohol and women. The song is also a great display of the combination of the blues and rock elements with the guitar and bass lines that run throughout it. And this hybrid caused it to be a great crossover success and it became a hit. Now Albert King of course had a hand in composing the track as well and that's especially true for the solos that can be heard during the break and outro of this song. track on the album is Crosscut Saw and this is a Tommy McLennan original from 1941. Now on the surface this song talks about sawing and chopping wood but this is of course a double entendre as much blues music is. Now the song was altered just a bit compared to the original 
replacing some of the verses with guitar solos and a rearrangement of some of the rhythm patterns. fun in the studio. Now, Crosscut Saw was the first single that King released on Stax Records and is actually quite successful reaching the R&B charts. Now the final track that appears on side one is also one of my favorite tracks, The Hunter. And together with the two previous tracks I just talked about, this is one of King's most popular and widely regarded songs. This one was written by Booker T and the MGs and Carl Wells. And the music on this one is a bit more up-tempo with some interesting horns that really keep the track rolling. And it also makes it sound a bit more modern. Now the lyrics are reminiscent of classic 50s blues music like Muddy Waters and Willie Dixon. Another single that was released from the album is the song Laundromat Blues. And this song is a bit more typical blues ballad. And this one was written by Sandy Jones. And the lyrics of this song tells a story about a man whose partner, supposedly his wife or girlfriend, has been going to the laundromat every single day just to meet up with another man. And... Because of this, he expresses a lot of jealousy. You've been meeting your man, man. Down at the local laundry, man. I say you've been meeting your man, man. Down at the local laundry, man. I done got wild, and that ain't going for them. 
Now, a few years later, King actually made a follow-up to this song called Answer to the Laundromat Blues. And this song turns very sour, with the narrator saying he will buy a washer and dryer so his partner doesn't have to leave the home. And if she does or decides to do that, that there will be consequences. Born Under a Bad Sign was released as a compilation album in August of 1967. It failed to reach any music charts when it came out, but the singles that were released in advance did reach some of the hot rhythm and blues singles charts. But this was probably because singles were much more important in the rhythm and blues genre, opposed to full-length albums around this time. And despite its failing commercial success, the album was received very well by critics, and Billboard magazine wrote the following, quote, Albert King has a way with the blues, a realistic, soulful style which hits the mark as all 11 cuts in his latest Stax album demonstrate. In retrospect, the album got even more appraisal from journalists and critics. The album is often referred to as King's quintessential work and a monument in the blues and popular music in general. The backing band's role in the album is also praised by many. And the way that King's guitar is so interconnected to their playing is something that stands out to a lot of people. In terms of his career, Albert King gained a lot of notoriety because of this album and its singles. And he went from playing clubs in the Chitlin Circuit, which is the name for a strand of venues in the South and Midwest, to much bigger arenas across the United States. And some of those notable venues were the Fillmore in San Francisco and the Fillmore East in New York City, some very big venues at the time. Now compared to before, King's shows now would attract a much more diverse audience and it also included a very large following of hippies that were of course active this time. In the following years after the album, King would release more records on Stax Records and it included an Elvis Presley tribute album called Albert King Does the King's Things. And after this, he would end up moving into a bit more of a funk direction in the 1970s. This was a trend that a lot of blues and jazz musicians were following at the time. Now in the 70s, his career started to dwindle, however, and this was in part because of Stax Records filing for bankruptcy. Now after trying a few years, he decided to take a break and during this break, he decided to return to his roots. And his comeback album was the 1983 live recording, San Francisco 83. And this one was nominated for a Grammy. And because of this, King made a big return, including a studio session that was recorded for television. And his follow-up album to this, I'm in a phone booth, baby, was once again nominated for a Grammy and it really re-established King's legendary status. Now, as I mentioned before, King faced health issues in the 1980s, but he kept recording and playing live shows no matter what. He released his final album, Red House, after a Jimi Hendrix song in 1992. And in the same year, on December 21st, he sadly passed away in his Memphis home. 
Some critics believed that Born Under a Bad Sign was a turning point in the modernization of blues music, and not only did it bring Albert King into the mainstream, but it also helped blues music to get back into the mainstream with its great classic and modern hybrid. Some notable artists and musicians that Albert King influenced over the years are Jimi Hendrix, who was of course also left-handed, Mick Taylor from the Rolling Stones, Joe Walsh from the Eagles, Stevie Ray Vaughan, and Eric Clapton. Now looking at this album in particular, the album influenced a number of artists, which is seen uh, as some covers that they recorded from this album. Some notable ones are Cream's version of the title track, and a member of Cream is actually Eric Clapton, which I mentioned. Um, their version was released in 1968 and became one of their biggest hits. And another interesting cover is Ike and Tina Turner's version of The Hunter, which was released in 1969. And this song was featured on the album of the same name. This version was a very big hit in their career and it reached several charts, overshadowing Albert King's own success. Thank you for listening. That's it for this week's 10th episode. Make sure to subscribe and tell your friends about the podcast if you'd like. You can also rate it in the Apple podcast app. If you'd rate it five stars, it will really help out the podcast getting noticed by other people. If you want, you can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram at 500albumspod. I'll try and update it a bit more often there. You can also email me um, through 500albumspod at gmail.com. You can send in any questions, suggestions for the podcast and anything else. Next week, we'll be looking at album number 490, which is going to be Tris Hombres by ZZ Top. So make sure to listen to that album and I will see you then. Bye. <laughs>